by Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Coming to you here on our favorite time to record an episode, Sunday morning. Dan, how's your Sunday morning been so far? Good. A little bit of rain in the area, but uh, it's a typical Sunday morning. Got to go to the, uh, yeah. was at the beach yesterday. Got some beach time because the weather. I know. I was jealous. Out. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I haven't been on a beach in like, uh, like four or five years. I was gonna say you don't take me as a huge beach guy because as you were saying, like as you were down there, I was like, once since I've been like talking to you on like a weekly basis, I don't think you've ever been like, yeah, I'm going to the beach or or anything. I'm a huge beach guy. I just you just don't. You know, make when it. I was coaching, it was just like I was out recruiting all summer, and then last summer with, I mean, okay, so the, I just completely lied. When was the last time I was on a beach for a week for my honeymoon in Aruba? Okay, but I, yes. I guess I meant like a local beach. Cause like, you know, the no, Delaware you're right. beaches yeah. in Jersey when I was living in Delaware, I hadn't been in like five years other than, we, you know, Christmas, my family goes, but like, you're not on the beach, but no sitting on a beach for, like, it's my favorite thing to do. Plus it's you best. get to just read all day. Nobody bothers you. You could just read and you could just stay there and just read some more. Cause that's like exactly. paradise to me. Like even when I'm home, like on a day like today, obviously we're going to record, get that stuff done. But like, I just want to read all Sunday. Like I'm taking my Sunday. I'm going to relax. I knocked all my chores out yesterday, was running around, ran up to your neck of the woods, got stuff from BJ's, you know, bulk stuff, everything. And I was like, you know what, Sunday, I'm just going to chill. Next thing I know, I'm at the grocery store because I had to grab something for dinner. I'm cooking dinner. I'm chilling. Next thing I know, I'm going to blink. It's 1.30. When I'm at the beach, the only thing I'm worried about is like cracking my cold seltzer and kicking my feet up. Yeah, you want to like, you know, I'll want to read and then it's like, but then I'm just sitting there reading in my house and I'm like, I have 17 chores I should probably do. Yeah, or the TV, like, or I'm like, oh, I pull my phone out and I'm like, D1 baseball. Okay, who's playing? Ooh, Florida and Ole Miss right. is in a tight one. Right. Like, flick that on. And next thing I know, I, I read three pages in 45 minutes and I'm like, right. this is good. But I've been doing much better about, I've been much better about it uh, recently. Um, yeah. Because it's good. I enjoy reading. Reading's good for you. Yes, reading's all about routine and consistency. And once you get into that, you can you can crush books if you if you really get after it. So, um, but obviously, as the title says, we're gonna get back con- and continue our preview work. Um, we are probably gonna blend a little bit into the season with the preview content, uh, just because we're late on it. Um, and obviously, with the fact that we're not gonna just churn out, even though we we probably could churn out just four episodes in four days and just wrap this thing up. Um, but that's something Dan and I would have to talk about because like we do still have lives and until you guys share and subscribe and like consistently enough so that this is our full-time job, you would get us every day if you wanted to. And I've started to notice as I listen to other podcasts, we talk about subscribing at the back end of the podcast and I know you guys listen, but you might not have it in you to finish the episode. You might get tied up doing something else. Another episode of another podcast that you like a little bit more might drop and you just realize you had five minutes left on our episode and you're like, I'm not going to wrap it up. So making sure you're subscribing 
sharing and liking the podcast. It helps us grow in any way. Also, for those that don't hear the the intro ad read that Dan crushed, and we're going to have to change now that opening day is about to pass, uh, we do have a promo code, Backside Ground Ball with SeatGeek. Get out and see your games. But we're going to start with the AL West here today, and we're going to kick it off with probably um, the most interesting in our hearts team to look at and that's the Oakland A's and that's because we have a major bias for somebody who we hope is going to be pitching for them uh this year in Colin but Dan when you when you digest the Oakland A's roster I I think my biggest question and the biggest storyline for them whether it be offseason whether it be during the year is what direction are they heading in this silence is intentional I don't know I, I, again, I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to be uh, too rude, but I just. I don't really know. Like, I think that. Um, I think they're trying to rebuild, but then you look at the moves they made, and I'm not really sure that young guys that they've gotten back in some of the trades. You know, you look at the Olsen and Chapman trades, and like, I guess they did fine. I don't know. And then the, the 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 trade this year, the Sean Murphy trade, like they're just giving the Braves players. I, I how do you describe it? I don't know. I'm at a loss. I don't I don't know what they're doing. And the biggest thing for me that I really care about, I care about two things with the Oakland A's. One, when is Colin going to debut? Um, like I just want to see Colin in the big leagues, obviously, because like you said, I'm biased and I have a vested interest in Colin's career. Um, and then two, like they got to get out of Oakland or get a new stadium. Like and until yeah. they do any of that, like it, I don't know what they're doing with their, their roster. Yes. I think in terms of those moves again, and we probably have talked about this trade deadline time. Uh, I am about getting premium talent first and getting depth second. I remember when Manny Machado was traded from the Baltimore Orioles to the Dodgers, they got four prospects and none of them, one was a top 100 fringe guy. Um, and he still hasn't debuted. And obviously Manny Machado hasn't been an O in a while. And they went for depth and they were like, Oh, well, you know, we would need to prioritize depth. You get depth through smart drafting, whether it be just finding outliers, whether it be having a niche, whether it be anything and the international market, there is no competitive advantage to a team that loses versus is good. So there's no excuse for not ponying up big bucks and i know we're talking about the oakland a's but you have an international budget right you have an international spending budget so those teams are committing to the wealth of that budget and go and get depth through that sign six outliers whether you want to prioritize athleticism which they do or you want to prioritize stuff you want to prioritize physicality whatever you want to do you have to have a a path right and in these trades when you're trading a matt olsen I don't want to get four guys that are fringe big leaguers depth pieces back. I don't need four A guys. You have four A you guys. You have those, right? You have. A, They're a everywhere in your farm system. You have a billion four A guys. Go get one guy, one for one, Matt Olson for the best prospect you, sh- you can get from the Braves. Sean Murphy, the same thing. I mean, the fact that William Contreras was a part That's of the deal, I was like, oh, this is good. Like, awesome. Good job. good job. Good job. And I remember like three days later texting Colin and you and being like, 
they didn't get William Contreras. In that deal. End up in I thought the yeah, I thought the deal sucked with William Contreras giving up a right. high premium defensive catcher who can hit for power for you know a guy who might not be able to catch. And you didn't end up getting him because he is an outlier. He does do things well, and you end up sending him to Milwaukee. And again, I don't know exactly what they got from Milwaukee in that uh, to make that kind of the motivation, but then, you know, kind of the same thing. And I know Frankie Montage, you actually probably did okay in that deal uh, for what obviously the damaged goods were that he was. But just again, we go back. What was the trade a couple years ago that they made that got them James Kropillion? Do you remember what that was? Because they sent, obviously they got him from the Yankees and they sent somebody from the Yankees to the, this is Sonny or Gray. To, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, and obviously Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray did not have success in New York, but New at York. the time it was a big move, and people were so worried. Like, and this is again the Frankie Montage trade. This is the Matt Olson trade. This is how I view all these trades. Right? Oh, the Yankees gave up so much. The Yankees gave up so much. It's like you gave up a fourth and fifth starter in Caprillion, who was you know fringe top one hundred guy, probably more because he was in New York than anything, and you gave up an outfielder who, at the time, I don't believe he's still with them no he's not i don't remember no. his name so i was hoping i was scanning the roster hoping i'd come across him and then he ended up breaking his leg and struggling with injuries and everything like that but when you trade for depth you are setting yourself up for failure quite frankly because the chances of those guys hitting and making an impact you need to find depth in other ways than just making shrewd trades and thinking getting four for one that you're going to hit on one no because those guys don't have the ceilings of a one-for-one one and then finding a different way to acquire talent. Well, what's funny about the Sonny Gray trade real quick, we don't need to rehash the The best player in the Sonny Gray trade doesn't play for the A's anymore. Right, Jorge Mateo, who had a really good year with the Orioles last year. was It was Caprillion and Dustin Fowler, who's the outfielder you were looking for. And yes. Jorge Mateo. and yeah. I, The Montas trade seems – I mean, Montas, it's weird because they his value tanked um, when he got hurt last yeah. year. And it was almost like they're not even going to be able to move him. They rushed him back. He made a couple starts just to be like, look, I can pitch. I have a, I have a, a pulse. Um, he probably wasn't ready to get back on the mound, but I'm no. sure that was a, we need to trade you. And Frankie Montas was like, I would like to be traded. So I'll go out there and give it a go. And obviously um, he ended up undergoing surgery this off season. He's going to be out for a while for the Yankees. So that trade's like still, who knows? But yeah, it's weird. They're, what's so strange to me is like the A's used to be able to identify identify talent and they used to be able to get creative and were able to compete. Um, Cause I know everyone looks at Moneyball and thinks of like, you know, if you watch the movie, you think that, that, that team that year was like, wow, man, they really won all those games with Jeremy Giambi and, <laughs> and uh, Scott Hatterberg. And I was like, yeah, but like also they used to be really good at having like drafting and, and acquiring guys like Jermaine Dye and Miguel Tejada and Eric Chavez and Mark Mulder and Barry Zito and Tim Hudson. And like, you could just go on and on. And then even in like 2013, when they were really good and, you know, they dipped into the free agent pool, like you said, and they had Cespedes and, you know, they were able to acquire Lester for like a start, but still like they were able to do these things. And then they decided to go into this rebuild in like 15 or 16. And they just haven't been able to compete since then. It's weird. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't. There's no direction, or there, and and you can't no. say they have a niche, right? We sat here and we talked about uh, last episode when we were talking about like, well, it's obvious what the Brewers like, and you can kind of tell what the Reds like, and you can the Pirates are kind of in the same boat, but the Pirates like at least it's like, well, here's some exciting guys like watch Cabrian Hayes, watch O'Neill Cruz, like 
if yeah. Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez come back to form of when we drafted them, you know, where they were rated when we drafted them, like you're excited about some pieces the Pirates have. Yeah. Outside of Colin, I'm not excited about anything with A's. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about Tyler Soderstrom. They did a good job getting yeah. Zach Galov um, from Virginia, who's outperformed his, you know, kind of draft profile. I would say from the big league roster, like, I mean, I could, I can't complain when teams do things that I don't agree with, right? Right? Because at least you have guidance. At least you have a plan, right? Like the Marlins. Like the Marlins came into the offseason. They were going to prioritize contact hitters. For whatever reason, it might not be what I would do, but at least you can say you have a plan and then you act on your plan. You can't really argue with organizations who insist on doing that. Where I get into problems is where you have no plan, right? Getting Christian Pache, prioritize defense, prioritize speed. He can't hit. You already had Ramon Ramon Laurano, Laureano, who plays great defense. So why did you need two, right? You have Nick Allen, who plays great defense, so do they prioritize defense? Well, then they go and get Brent Rooker, who can't play defense. But they also have Shay Langliers, who can play defense. It's just there's no guidance and there's no thought process where, again, you could have the best defense in the MLB. And honestly, looking at their roster, they could. They have a gold glove caliber shortstop. They have a gold glove caliber center fielder. If Laureano is going to play on the corner, he's going to be a gold glove caliber corner outfielder. Shea Langliers could play at a gold glove level. Like that's a ton of positions. Kevin Smith can pick it. But if you can't hit or pitch, well, I, it I doesn't too, matter. With the Olsen trade is how did you end up with Pache and not Michael Harris? The Braves were so quick to jump to trade you Pache. Wouldn't you have been like, I don't know. I don't. It, it just. Yeah. Well, and that's even I, my I question know. with the Olsen trade is now. Now we're talking about your scouts and your evaluators that just aren't. And again, we're we're just sitting here torching the A's, which, quite frankly, I, I, Colin's not here, so I'm going to say it. They deserve it. Um, we we've probably held back more focally than we <laughs> we have to. But how do you not identify a Spencer Strider? Right, because he wasn't on anybody's top 100 list coming right. into last year. You're telling me that the Braves who want Matt Olson, you go one for one with Spencer Strider. They're like, see ya. Or Hair, or Michael see ya Strider. Why isn't the outfielder you or get Michael Harris. <laughs> so now, and again, like, yeah, and I get the Braves might have pushed you in that direction, but how are you not identifying outliers? Like Spencer Strider had reliever risk. He still has reliever risk. Right. He's a two pitch guy, which to a lot of organizations, they don't think two pitch guys can get outs. I think two pitch guys can get outs, whatever. But how are you not taking a flyer on a guy who has two elite pitches? One for one for Matt Olson. And again, we're in hindsight right now. They went one for one Matt Olson for a no name. We probably would be on here torching them anyway, especially if he didn't develop. But you need to do a better job of identifying talent. Like that's like the Padres. When they were rebuilding, they did such a good job of finding outlier talent, right? Whether it be Fernando Tatis Jr. Like, obviously, that's an easy one to identify because his dad's an ex-big leaguer. But they were able to get him before he blew up with the White Sox, right? And they did a very good job of adding guys before they blew up. The Nationals, when they made trade, like Harleen Susana, who was the the throw-in piece of the Juan Soto trade in my opinion, might have been the second best piece. He, 
in terms of ceiling, the ability to identify those outliers. And that's kind of the last thing I'll, I'll speak on with the A's is kind of, we're just going to cover like Seth Brown. I like a lot. I mean, if you look at his batted ball profiles, like he really does have potential to make a huge impact this year. He flashed a lot of exit velo. Um, he was barreling baseballs. He shows some speed. So he's an, he's an interesting guy, but, but from there, I like there's nobody in this roster that like intrigues me. I mean, Langliers is that's the prospect name, but a lot of people, and especially I think within the Braves organization, were down on him because he can't hit. And I know he's hit with the A's, and but he hasn't. He doesn't have a track record of hitting. No, and I think, but I think that's the one guy to me, the one guy that you're like, okay, if Langliers can do it, and and you know, to your point of the number next to the prospect name is always way more important than than uh what actually happens like could you imagine yeah. two years ago the yankees like the situation of ken waldachuk being on the a's and you got frankie montas who you don't even know what you're going to get out of frankie montas of the yankees yeah now you don't you're not losing any sleep over it like because of how they they've panned out like you're not actually sure what's what's going to happen here and i i mean Again, I don't want to feel like I'm – I don't like burying any of these organizations. I just think it's so interesting, and I do wonder how much of it is just ownership and the money crunch, right? Because do you go and settle for Pache? But hear me out. Do you go and settle for Pache because the Braves have you in the corner of, okay, don't trade us Olsen. We'll sign him when he becomes a free agent because you can't. Like, you're not going to sign him. So I'll wait. I'll wait till he hits the market. I can afford him. You know, like, because I do think there's a little bit of that when they're trying to trade assets. Like, that's exactly what happened with Sean Murphy. Why were they in such a hurry to trade Sean Murphy? Because they couldn't, they weren't going to be able to pay him. Sean Murphy wasn't going to take a hometown discount to stay with them. It was just like, you know, back, if you do go back to those money ball days, like, Giambi left. Like, Giambi was going to walk. And there was no shot you were keeping Giambi. Jason Isringhausen was going to leave. Johnny Damon was going to leave. Like, so now it's like, well, we better trade him before we even get to that point. And th- but now you're kind of operating. Other teams know that. So now you're when you're talking about negotiating, you're operating from a, not a, a strong point of negotiations. Whereas, you know, there are some teams that uh, when they go to I think about the Yankees with the Roldis Chapman, right? Like Cubs, go take a Roldis Chapman and win a World Series. We'll get Glaber yeah, Torres. We'll get part of our team, yeah. and then we're just going to re-sign a Roldis Chapman. Now, the A's are never going to be the Yankees, and that's kind of the antithesis of the A's is the Yankees. But I think that there's something missing, and I don't know if it's an ownership problem, if it's a scouting problem, if it's a Billy Bean problem. I don't know what – He's not there anymore. Billy Bean's not there anymore. Remember that. That's true. Do you guys want to play – do you guys want to play for that? No, but I do think – Like – Yes, you're right. Yes. But this is the big leagues – Right, I don't. I can't tell you exactly what uh, the Brewers, in return for Josh Hader, did better than what the A's did for Sean Murphy and for Matt Olson. Right, and the Brewers got, I think that the Brewers and they ended up releasing. But that's my point. So yes, you're yeah. right. The Braves could come to the table and be like, "You're not going to sign him, trade him, or we'll sign him," or you could just do better. You could identify talent. You could understand what you like. You could have a direction. And maybe they, that is what they like. I don't know. It's just it hasn't worked out. And they're they're reeling, quite frankly. The the rebuild has not been good. It hasn't gone well. They're, they haven't done they have no direction. 
and they just I, I think in the draft they're finally starting to see a direction. I think they're starting to keyhole at least offensively guys that have potential to make an impact and have prioritizing what they need, you know, like the Galovs of the world, like the Soderstroms of the world. Like there's guys that can hit in that farm system. There's no denying that. And I think they've trended in the right direction. And those are, those are quality MLB pieces. But I think on the pitching side, they got to make some adjustments in, in their identification of talent and in their value of what they're trading these assets for. I mean, even the Chapman trade, like, is anybody in return for that? And Chapman hasn't been the best player with the Blue Jays, but he was a stud with you, right? Like, how do you not sell him as Arenado light, right? You might not have to pay the premium for Arenado. You might have to pay the 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 price when he's a free agent. But guess what? You're getting just as good defense. You're going to get power, you know, and he could flash 280 in a year if you get lucky. And then you have an MVP caliber talent, like, I just I know he hasn't been that great with with the Blue Jays so far, but he's still playing great defense and he's still hitting for power. And I'm sure the Blue Jays are fired up to have Matt Chapman for whatever they got for him. As, as um, they should be. And it, Kevin Smith's the one guy in that deal that you know you even highlighted that could be the the return for Chapman. Yeah, um, but he's a four A guy. He's a four A guy. And and let's sure, let, sure, let's let's uh let we. We could go all I day. Know, with we the need to A's. move on, but I'm just curious as to I would like to know when the A's were shopping Chapman what the value of Chapman was because I think there were a lot of people who had a lot of question marks about Chapman. Um, outside of you know what you're going to get platinum glove defense at third base. He's like yeah. Arenado and Chapman one A one B defensively at third. Outside of that, I think there were a lot of question marks offensively. So I wasn't sure what I'm not sure what the value was there. But Olsen let's just put Murphy, it this way. Like that's different. Let's just put it this way. Every team, whether you have question marks or not, every team that makes a trade wants that trade to be done. It's no different than me and you making a trade in fantasy, right? Like you're happy to get that asset, right? Psychologically. Like, yeah, and but I guess milking, my point is, is milking a little bit more, or I trying to get one different piece instead of an other is what you have to do in negotiations and what you have to do in talent identification. And you have to be better through that process because the Blue Jays wanted Matt Chapman. They didn't trade pieces away but to my, get Matt Chapman my, just to go, I don't know oh, about it. You, you know what I'm I, saying? You're, you're absolutely right. But my point is, is I think you also, it makes it easier to operate from a point of leverage when you're trading Manny Machado and you're talking to the Dodgers and it's like, yeah, but six other teams also want that's what I was yeah. trying to say. About no, something. it is. Yeah, I don't know if, Fair. if there was it doesn't. A, a it doesn't drive up the value. Chapman. Correct. And you look at the, what happened with Machado and the Orioles is what happened with is the, also the point that I'm making is like the Orioles weren't going to re-sign Manny Machado. Yeah, that hurt True. his value a little bit. That was it. True. Trade him now. He's not going to be in the offseason. So other teams were like, Yeah, but that management was. I'm not on those calls. Yeah, no. I. You're right. You're right. There, there's a common denominator here, and it's bad management and bad leadership. And that's outside of ownership. Both those organizations do deal with bad ownership, yes. But there's other organizations that have bad ownership, that have good decision makers, that make really sound decisions, yeah. and can operate under that under that handcuff, per se. Um, but let, let's talk about the Angels a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm scanning through their roster right now, and Quite frankly, Dan, I know I feel like this we do this every single year, but there's some things to like with this team, right? I think their outfield is going to perform 
well above average. I mean, they might combine for, quite frankly, close, 90 home runs. I, I don't think that's a stretch. Like, no. I don't think that's a stretch. And then you obviously factor in the fact that they have the best player in baseball, two best players in baseball. If Anthony Rendon can have a pulse, you're looking at a team that can be competitive. And that's before we even getting to the fact that Reed Detmers is a breakout candidate waiting to, waiting to come. And, and Patrick Sandoval had a really good year last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with it. Can their position players stay healthy, and can they pitch a little bit? Like that's that's all you need to see. I, yeah, and I think they are set up to pitch a little bit this year. I think they're set up better to pitch this year than uh, years past for sure. I like the Tyler Anderson move. Um, mm-hmm. I think I like Detmers. I think if Detmers can um, build on some of the flashes, I mean, he, he obviously threw the no hitter, but then late in the year he started. Like people don't remember this because no one's paying attention to the Angels in September, but. Rick Demers had some had a good September and and uh, Patrick Sandoval, like you said, really underrated. I don't hate Jose Suarez. They're really left-handed, um, which I think yeah. is interesting. Um, you know, Griffin Canning's a fine back of the rotation guy. They don't have an ace. You hope that Detmers. Yes, they like, do. Can come yes, in. they do. Oh my god! You're forgetting gosh, about I somebody. Forgot. You have the best. You have the best. You have one of the best aces, right? So I like this rotation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you that's what Shohei I'm saying. Otani. So I like this rotation. I think the thing with. Um, and, and like, there's a little bit of depth. Their bullpen is going to be shaky at best. Um, yeah, that's what I worry about. That's what's that's what's tough. And we've seen teams in the past trying to out hit their bullpen, and it's a tough ask. Um, and look, like, you look at Logan O'Hoppy was a, a really highly regarded prospect in the Phillies organization who yeah. was blocked by JT Real Muto, and the Angels managed to get him. Um, I can't remember. They made two separate trades at the deadline. Those two teams. I don't know if. He was, he was, a part he of was Brandon from Marsh. Marsh return of the Thor. Yeah. He was from Marsh. Which, he was Brandon like, Marsh, yeah. Th- th- that makes sense from both sides. Like, here's a young, controllable outfielder that's blocked by Mike Trout and company, and then here's a young, controllable catcher for in return for – and that's what you're talking about, right? Like, that's the traits that, like, hey, A's, take notes. Like, here's Brandon Marsh, who's a young center fielder who has a lot of, um, you know, development upside because he plays good defense. Like, you know, if he can figure out – Yeah, battle, with a high floor as a big leaguer. Good. Correct. Correct. Like, and we're going to trade him. What are we going to get in return? Well, we got back a guy uh, who has a ton of talent and a high floor in a, ca- a really um, well thought of catching prospect who's blocked by a big league catcher right now. Um, so that's a good deal. And then what I like what they did on the infield this year is um, they called up Allstate and got a bunch of insurance for Anthony Rendon. Right? Yeah, they like, did. Gio Urshela and Brandon Drury. Like, okay, if Anthony Rendon can't make it through this year, I have these two guys who are veterans or who, who can be, you know, above replacement value at the big league level. And Drury had obviously a breakout year last year, kind of in the twilight of his career, had a breakout year. And Urshel has just been consistent for like four years now. So if Rendon doesn't stay healthy and can't be get back to even close to what the contract that they gave him was, who that guy was, then I like the insurance policy they have there. God, he... <laughs> We're rounding into form, man. What do you mean? They called up Allstate with some insurance for Anthony. I mean, that, that, like, right? That is why they did that. That like, was good. No, that was that, good. That's what guys I'm saying. Guys that play but... third base. Like, you're, you see them make those moves, and, like, sure, they can DH, and they can also play first base, but they really like Jared Walsh. You know, I think that Fletcher's an everyday second baseman who hits at the bottom of the order, plays above average defense. Will he play short? I don't know. He might this year. Renhifo can do that as well. 
So you look at the Urshel and the Drury moves, and you're like, well, why would they get these? Oh, that's right. No, I, I, get, I, get, <laughs> I get the pieces. I just mean that was just absolute gold with the with oh, the phrasing thanks. there. Yeah, yeah. No, I 100% get the moves, but just wanted to give credit where credit's due. And and, and then obviously, like, I agree. I agree. I mean, Anthony Rendon, he's a guy that I, I love. You know, he was with the Nationals, and, and he was so good when they made oh, that deal. I mean, that was, that was not a bad deal. He always dealt with injuries, yes. Um, but if you told me that one guy was going to perform until they were 40 and signed big contracts, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, I thought Anthony Rendon's skill set would play for longer. Now, injuries, they impact that, right? Um, especially for a guy who is just twitchy, right? Like, I mean, as a hitter, it's simple, but he packs such a big punch in the fact that, like, his swing is simple. It's all wrist. Like he just is like, it's actually kind of like he doesn't get enough credit for how just like good of a hitter he was. Cause it was just like drop the barrel on baseballs and backspin to the downhill pole. So fast. Yeah, You're exactly. Right, and he, he was, was in DC and he was shadowed by Harper. He was shadowed by Soto. He was Soto. always, and, and it was just like, He's but like unreal. Anthony Rendon is so good. He was so good for a stretches. Like when, I mean, we talk about Jose Ramirez being, I remember sitting there arguing that Anthony Rendon was the better player, right? Than Jose Ramirez. And obviously I look like the fool now, but at that time you, it was, I mean, it was an argument, right? He, yeah. Okay, I mean, if you, dotted, I mean, he yep. had 34 homers, 44 doubles. Yeah. Like, he hits the ball hard. He didn't, you he, know, he wasn't one of these guys who was only hitting the ball in the air. Like he, he hit the ball hard. He hit the ball on a line. He, he, he hit the he ball. The other way. He had it. gap power. Yeah. He, right. Like, he covered the he zone. Could get he could get to a line, like, true. He wouldn't hook it. Yeah, everything was 100%. so good. I might go watch but, some Dig Me Anthony Rendon tapes you should. later the for the day. Yeah, because I want to. I, I still think that, which is crazy. To, what bothers me so much is like you're talking about having the two best players in baseball, and I still think they're the third best team in the division. And that's just because yes. I still don't think they have the depth that the two teams ahead of them have. Yeah. And I don't, still don't think they're put together as good as the other two teams. It's it's choppy. Their roster is it's always choppy. That's choppy. a great way to. It's that is a peaks and valleys. It's that is weird. It is always it it has been like that for the last since yeah. Mike Trout choppy made his debut. Is perfect. It has been yeah. choppy. There's holes. I want to see them win, and not just because I'm one of those people like, oh, I want to see Trout and Otani in the playoffs. No, I don't either. care. Yeah, I don't care. I'm just saying I want to see them win. Because those players are so good, because the roster is good. I'm just saying, like the roster is talented. But yeah, they deserve. Is some the choppiness? Does it not flow? Yeah, they have to have injury luck at some point, they right? It. Right. It's been ten years where it's been injuries. I mean, like, I think where I could wish they did things a little bit differently is why is Alex Cobb still not an angel? Right. Like guys like that that like you can quite frankly afford. Um, I think why are you not getting those guys to fill out your rotation? But I like the rotation. Detmers is a breakout candidate. Otani's an sure. ace. Sandoval had a great year. You know, Griffin Cannon is a guy who's going to throw strikes. Good change up. Tyler Anderson had a great year with the Dodgers. Like they're really, they, there's potential there. They're very left-handed, which is weird. Um, the Astros have a ton some of their better bullpen pieces are like, like Matt Moore had a great year last year as a reliever in Texas. He's a lefty. Yeah, Aaron their bullpen. Their bullpen is weird. And but Aaron Luke, this is something we're going to talk about. On Jose this is something we're going to talk about with 
the NL East is, and I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe I'll put it on a tweet like I did with the, with the prospects have more value with the number next to them. Cause I just love these phrases, but bullpens are important. Relievers are replaceable. And I for Mets that. fans out there, we're previewing the NL East. Bullpens are important, but relievers are replaceable. Are the most because replaceable thing in baseball. 100%. So which one of these guys takes a step forward? Chris Rodriguez has great stuff. Taperos has a little bit of a track record. You know, which direction does Tucker Davidson move to the pen and, and pitch better? Like, which direction, Another which lefty. guy blows up, which guy in AAA right now? Yeah, which guy in AAA right now? can develop that stuff and have a good fastball. Aaron Loop has big league track record, another lefty. But the point is, is that there there are pieces there that have outlier stuff. Are you going to bring it out of them? And that's the question of the Angels. Are they going to be healthy on the offensive side? And then could they milk some potential out of their pitching rotation? But um, any last thoughts on the Angels before we move on to a team that I'm, I'm really fired up to, to talk about here? No, 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 I hope they they deserve injury luck. The the they have pieces. Chops yeah, they a get great adjective. They get torched, torched because I by think the media. People want to, because people yes. expect them to be the Astros, you know, competing with the Astros, and it's like yeah, baseball's ugh, baseball's the most baseball's individual, individual sport ever. The only time I respect people that torch them is people that are connected to the baseball industry, when you start to hear some negativity yeah. come from those people, that's where I start to be like, okay, maybe they deserve this flack. But I, I think they've tried, quite frankly. Like, I think they have tried. They locked Mike Trout up. They've he could be in Philly right now, years, right? Though. They have made a lot of missteps and they've made a lot of big, like, like that's the thing is like, we, we might need to do a whole podcast on this because I'm going to open up Pandora's box, but everybody bashes organizations that don't want to hand out big contracts. Oh, like you, you're not committed to free agency. Like they've tried and they, none of them have worked except for arguably the trout, but trout hasn't been healthy since they signed him. Like they have tried to be free agent spenders. Right. And they have tried to commit to that side of things. They're not hold, They're not closing their checkbook on a year-to-year basis, right? They went out and they got Otani when they didn't have to, right? They went out and they, they extended Mike Trout to a historic deal. They got Anthony Rendon in the past. They got Albert Pujols. They got Josh Hamilton. And, like, we give so much praise to these organizations like the Phillies, like the Yankees, like the Mets for dipping their toes in the free agent water and committing. And then we torch the Angels because they give out bad contracts. That's where I just feel it's weird because they do try. We got to move on, but the last the, the point I'll make is if you look at the Phillies, and we talked about this a couple times last year as they're making the run, throwing money at free agents can work like the Phillies, and that's what everyone's going to react to. But why did the Phillies take a step forward last year? The fringe of the roster, yeah. internal the candidates depth. got better. Sir Anthony Dominguez was healthy. He's a guy that they drafted. Bryson Stock contributed as a guy who's been in their organization. Alec Bohm contributed huge huge at-bats as a guy who has come up through their system like it's the most in like un it's the most team sport that's so individual in the world like you need those guys like the fringe of your roster is what what wins you know 100 all the braves win a world series like the braves have obviously always had really good farm system but like what got them over the hump really shrewd trades at the deadline that year yeah like so it's not blowing it out it's always the fringe the big free agent signing never puts teams over the hump. 
Bryce that was with Bryce Harper's fourth year in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Mike Trout being there, he's not ever going to be the one to get you. It's like the fringe guys are what get you there. Hey, Yank, like Aaron Judge, that's great. Anthony Rizzo, that's great. Giancarlo Stanton, that's great. But like you've had bad fringe guys for the last 10 years, and that's why you haven't been in a World Series. Like IKF, who gets way too much heat in New York, but like IKF isn't quite good enough to get you over the hump. Like Jose Trevino, although he had a really good year last year, like not what you would typically say can get you. You know what I mean? Like the fringe, yeah. like those pieces, those guys who you have to count on in baseball because their spot's going to come up in the order. You can't just throw the ball to Mike Trout on third and 10 in baseball no. every play and, and will your way into, into the, you know, the playoffs. Or just run ISO with Mike Trout in the playoffs. Or run ISO with Mike Trout. Right. Give yeah, Mike Trout the ball and let him different. go get 45 points. It doesn't work it's that different. way in baseball. And, and of course, of course, we are driven as a sports industry by the ESPNs of the world that talk about wins and talk about championships and, and people can't wrap their head around the fact that baseball might in fact be different. And um, Carlos but, made a good point on that when he was on here talking about that, like there's something to be said about the teams who can who maybe haven't won the world, but every year can like be good. really good through 162 games. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's impressive. Baseball. That's almost equally as impressive as going on a run for three weeks like the Phillies did or a month My, last year like yeah. the Phillies did. And and that's what we talked about that with the Dodgers, but that's what Mike Rizzo always used to say with the Nationals was like, my job's to build a 90-win team because everything else is out of my control. Correct. And people used to – like when them, them when, of course, they lose in the playoffs multiple years, they're like, oh, he's not building playoff caliber winning teams. And you're like – What does that mean? What does what championship does that mean? DNA even mean? Yeah, what I does that mean? That. It means nothing. It means nothing. And, and it's not it's quantifiable. Just, no, it's not quantifiable. And year to year, it's different. I was reading a book, Catcher in the Rye, which was um, a book about – I'm going to draw a blank on it. Like oh. the actual Catcher in the Rye? No. It was a baseball book. Oh, I was like – Bob Euchre wrote it. Okay. Yeah, so – and this was written in the 1980s, and he said – and I almost took a picture and sent it to you, but he said, baseball is a copycat league. Whatever the team does that wins oh, the World Series, the everybody follows. And I was World like, oh, we my God. Right. Like, it's never changed. Never right. changed. Now everyone the, – you see the, the Phillies spent a bunch of money in free agency, so what everyone do this year? There was tons of huge oh, contracts. Of That's contract. the way to do it. But again, we're ignoring – to me, again, it always comes down to what do the fringe guys on your – what impact yeah. do those fringe guys have? Can you trade for Eddie Rosario and have him just get white hot? Jorge Soler. Yeah. Jorge Soler. Can you, can you have guys that around. come up through your system? Can you let a player walk and have Jeremy Pena? Like, because Jeremy Pena, let's be honest, Jeremy Pena wasn't, I, we remember the postseason. Jeremy Pena wasn't setting the world on fire in the regular season last year. He was a good player, but he wasn't like, oh my gosh. But then he got white hot. Like, he was, anyway. And now, and now we talk about him like he's a superstar, but we will right. get to the Astros. I want, but speaking of fringe guys, you know, as I kind of scan this Texas Rangers roster, you know, I think. If there's anywhere they're limited, it might be in that fringe range. Uh, right. You know, quite frankly, it's they have the star talent. You know, if everything goes well for Josh Jung, they might have the best infield at baseball, um, which is crazy to think about. But the fringe, right? The guys that might have to play if a Corey Seager goes down. The guys that might have to pitch if a Jacob DeGrom struggles with some more injuries. You look at just the, the depth of this roster, it's – 
I don't want to say worrisome, but we get so excited about the big deals. And quite frankly, we aren't in a great place with the fringe deals and the guys that are needed to make a big impact on a team that wants to compete for a division title. So, you know, as you kind of break down the the Texas Rangers roster, what are some things that you like and what are some things that you don't like? Well, I think the Rangers are in the part of the rebuild where like the first thing they needed to do was acquire top level talent. They're not at the fringe part yet. They were there was such a dearth of talent in this organization um, that they had to go out and make these moves. And they credit to them because they've gone out and they they haven't given up. They've just continued to be like, let's keep acquiring talent. Let's keep acquiring and, and talent acquisition is huge. So yeah, you you now have the thing where it's like people are going to expect them to start competing because they have enough names. But like you said, if there's you know some health questions, then the 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 you know the out the edges of this roster probably aren't good enough to carry them or keep them afloat or even put them over the top especially in this division where again there's two teams at the top who are really really good mm-hmm. um but like it's funny because you said like they could potentially have the best infield baseball they could also potentially have the best rotation in baseball if those guys stay healthy now yeah. that's a huge question mark cuz with pretty much every single one of the guys that are expected to be in their top 5 <laughs> there's an injury concern with each and every one of them so yeah. if you get 30 starts even out of 3 of them I'll be surprised but if you got 30 to thir- like 30 33 starts out of all five of them, you could potentially have the best rotation in baseball when you look at it. I mean, you, you're talking about DeGrom, you're talking about Martin Perez, you're talking about Evaldi, Heaney, uh, Gray, Gray, like Odorizzi, like, oh my, wait, those are all guys who have proven at the big league level. Like, people forget, a couple of years ago, Nathan Evaldi was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like, he's got mm-hmm. stuff. He can't stay he healthy. Yeah. Right, Degrom right no. now. The, the the concerns with Degrom at this stage of his career is you can't stay healthy. Um, their outfield needs a little bit of help, but like it's an it it's interesting because there's a ton of talent on this roster. Like Mitch Garver, Mitch Garver's a good baseball player if he's ever mm-hmm. available to play baseball. Jonah Heim had a great year last year. Jonah too. Heim had a great year last year behind the plate. I mean, and then obviously we everyone knows that you and I are super high on Seager. Simeon's really good. It's interesting. Um, they're at a point in the rebuild though where they've They've started to acquire talent, um, top-level talent. And, you know, in the next couple of years, if some of these guys can stay healthy and then they can just kind of add around the fringes or have some guys come up, um, you know, that, like if, if Josh Jung can produce it, at what he's capable of or what we thought he was capable of when he was drafted, then this team's uh, – this team's going to be good in a few years. They're definitely going to be interesting at least, right? They're, they're, mm-hmm. They kind of fall into the frisky category. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think their outfield definitely does need help. I would like to – I mean, whether that's a trade with – you know, I would like to see Ezekiel Duran get some time in the outfield if yeah. that's possible. He's athletic enough because they have depth on the infield, maybe turn him into some form of a utility guy. It's kind of as I break down this roster, I think Robbie Grossman was a shrewd move that you kind yes. of view as a depth piece that yep. could be better. Um, so that those are some good moves there, but you're, you're right about the rotation. Obviously, when you have guys like Jacob Degrom, when you have guys like John Gray, who peripherals-wise has always been good, um, and getting outside of Colorado has helped. Andrew Heaney was just spectacular last year when he pitched, um, and then you have Martin Perez, who's kind of that Mister Consistency. It's a good mix. It's a good mix of the team, and obviously, we both think that 
quite frankly, Corey Seager could compete for an MVP this year. Marcus Simeon has multiple top five finishes in the MVP voting, and it's always in every other year, and this would be his every other year. Uh, So if he goes and plays the way that he's capable of, uh, you know, Adolis Garcia has a lot of talent. You know, I definitely think there are some things to work with, but I think in terms of what this team is, you know, I got to see it. And and that's kind of my big thing is like, it's kind of like how we talked about with Cody Bellinger is like, you got to see it to believe it before we start buying into the hype. You know, as much as I want to hype up this team, because they have multiple of my fan favorites, you know, Corey Seager's a guy I love. Jacob DeGrom's a guy I love. I love the direction of the organization. You know, sneakily, they made a move because they didn't like the pitching development that they had and moved Chris Young to be the general manager. And they've really done a good job on their pitching development side in the second half of last year and making some really good decisions on the guys that they were interested in and just kind of through that realm of uh player development that i think will change and and chris young is obviously a superstar on the rise in in the game of uh front office executives because it wasn't too long ago that he was pitching in the world series for the kansas city royals and to be the general manager of the texas rangers already is a good move and i think he's going to do a really good job with their pitching development you know i think the key here is can we get jack lighter back to what he was um i mean even it's weird because whether this is hindsight or whether this is true, um, a lot of the draft talk in comparison of the guys this year um, compared to like the best pitchers that people have ever seen. You know, I thought Jack Leiter had ace potential. I know the fastball shape was good. He pitched the curveball off of it. A lot of people were saying that in hindsight, he was more of a three than a one. You have guys like Dolander and Skeen that are more of a true number one potential. Um, so, whether that's just hindsight because he has struggled in pro ball or whether that's actually fact of that Jack Leiter's ceiling was never the potential to be a one. Um, it would be nice to at least get him to be valuable enough to be a performing three. And again, they might not need it in the rotation right now, but if he can reach his ceiling, I think he's a guy that can really help this ball club win a lot of ball games. And then they have the biggest question mark of them all too. People forget those guys are reunited, right? They, they, they own Kumar Rocker now as well. Yes. So, so like, it's it's intriguing to say the least, right? Like, again, it's just more names. Like, those are prospect names that everybody knows. Um, even people yeah. who don't really follow it, they know those two guys. And um, I think the thing with Lighter, like you said, is if they can figure out what's going wrong with the fastball a little bit um, and can get it back on track, which to me – I don't want to step out of bounds saying this, but I feel like fastball is the easiest one because you have so many avenues that you can go with it, right? Like if you, if, you know, he was an elite V break guy who got a ton of swings, whiffs up in the zone, and like it's easy. You see guys over the course of their major league career tinker with their fastball so much, and you can sink it, you can run it, you can cut it if you have to, and you can get back to the extension if that's what the issue is. So like I, I think that's if you're talking about a guy who hasn't. Um, lived up to potential and we're talking about it's been because of fastball that's one where it's like well i think there's still hope there right like that's a that's the problem that you almost want to have it's like okay well we can we can fix your fastball especially if it's a shape thing right now if you have guys who are it's a velo problem which they have a guy on the roster roster and spencer howard who it's like 96 97 for one inning and then it's 90 what's yeah. going on and, and he's probably going to be a bullpen piece for them this year depth rotation um if you're a rangers fan you don't want to see him have to make too many starts but i mean 
to me, it, it's it. I, I do. I like this roster. If they can stay healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. again, like they can push people. And um, if you're like trying to get into the playoffs and you got three games with this roster and they're healthy late in the year, you're not like happy about it. Like you, that's a it's a team that'll make you nervous. Um, could we see three playoff teams from the West, or is the East too strong? Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting point. Um, I don't think my brain's adjusted to the fact that there's an extra wild card this year. Um, so it would be, it's possible, obviously, right? I like the central though. A lot. I like the top three teams. I like the three teams at the top of the central this year a lot too, though. Yeah. So probably not. So there's probably one team that has to miss the boat here, but you know, I do also like the, the outfield depth of the prospects of the Texas yeah. Rangers. So, um, if they could get an Evan Carter to take another huge step this year, you know, he could be a young guy making a you know, making an impact, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Cole wins a former top 100 prospect who's kind of fallen off, but um, he's on their 40 man right now and he's a pitcher. So more pitching depth. I would like to see Jonathan Ornalis, who is a guy who's Collins very high on, maybe get some time in the corner outfield. Uh, obviously he's blocked at short. He's blocked at third. He's blocked at second. Um, if he's going to play at the big leagues and he can hit, you know, you kind of get a guy like that, that comes up and it makes a pretty solid impact. But, you know, I think again, like my worry about this is, and maybe you're right. Maybe the timing isn't now, but the fringes of this roster, they need to be a little bit better for them to compete for a playoff spot. But obviously on to the two teams that are really, really exciting um, in this division is the Seattle Mariners, right? Huge step forward. Place was rocking. First time in the playoffs since 2001 last season. Just ton of talent. Adding Luis Castillo was huge. Extending Luis Castillo was even bigger. Getting Robbie Ray a free agent. He looks like he's going to be back towards what he was two years ago. And he was really good last year. There's nothing wrong with what he did, but kind of more towards that top of the line rotation starter, Cy Young caliber arm that he is. George Kirby's looking to take a huge step forward. Logan Gilbert has a little bit of peripheral concern, but pitched really well in terms of what actually happened on the mound and then you got marco gonzalez to fill out that rotation so dan i haven't even gotten into the lineup what, what kind of excites you about this rotation and the capabilities of what they can do i love this roster as a whole and i love this pitching staff this is a team that's won 90 plus games the last two years i think this is the best version of this team you're gonna see um this pitching staff like yes gilbert has some peripheral issues but the stuff is is real. Like, you know, when you look at peripherals and, like, sometimes it's like, ah, well, then it makes sense when you look at it. And you're like, oh, well, the stuff isn't that good. Okay, so we had some bad ball luck or, or whatnot. But, like, no, the stuff is good where he could just keep getting better and those peripherals, like, shake out. And then you're like, okay, this yeah. is a top-of-the-line guy. George Kirby can be an ace in the league. Robbie yes. Ray is coming two years removed from a side young. They are. They have everything you need. Chris Flexen can eat innings if you need him to. Luis Castillo is an ace. Like they have guys that like. For Marco Gonzalez to be your five, you're. He's your five. I mean that's awesome. And then the bullpen. We know how good their bullpen is, and their bullpen's going to yeah. be just as good as it was last year. If you know, between Brash, Festa, Castillo, um, Munoz, Murphy, Seawalt, like they got guys who get outs at yeah. the back, and they they punch tickets like and that's what you want you want guys who punch tickets at the back of that uh in the back of your bullpen Andres Munoz throws a million miles an hour and I don't think a lot of people uh, across you know baseball really know much about him but he's unbelievable this pitching staff is really really good and 
I think this is going to sound weird. They got swept by them, but like, I think that playoff series where they were in those games with the Astros, obviously that last one went 18 innings. Um, like, I think they have some confidence against that team this year. Yeah, that's good for them. You got to experience it first. And, you know, for anybody who can hear it in the background, I think my fiance is so frustrated that I kicked her out of the office that she's intentionally playing with the dog in front of the door. Um, so I don't know if my microphone's picking that up, but all I hear is a squeaky toy and a dog running by every every couple seconds. So if anybody's picking that up, that's why. Uh, don't kick your medical student fiance out of out of her office when you want to record a podcast on a Sunday morning is my advice to you. Uh, but in terms of the Logan Gilbert thing, the one thing that worries me about him is the swing and miss hasn't been there. Um, you know, there's one thing to be hit hard. It's another thing to not generate swing and miss. It's hard to develop right at the big league level to add swing and miss he added this he has the split finger which is awesome uh or he might have added the split finger i know he throws one was that a last year thing yeah yeah so the fastball shape he comes from a really high slot so it's naturally high vertically moving it can get down on guys he gets really good extension so maybe that's why his stuff plays up i just would like to see in terms of the swing and miss it was nice to see George Kirby show the swing and miss with just elite of the elite command. I mean, when he was drafted, it was just like he could throw a ball into a soda can uh, from from 60 feet, six inches. Robbie Ray, he's a guy that, you know, we talk about this all the time. The guys that turn the corner post 30, uh, is he that guy, right, where you're talking about this guy that can pitch late into his career because he finally figured it out because his stuff just is just moves like crazy. He has it dialed in. He's always going to struggle with the walks, but he misses bat at bats in at an elite rate, and he can also limit hard contact pretty well. And obviously, Luis Castillo speaks for itself. Um, you know, in terms of the lineup, you know they have a billion outfielders. Quite frankly, um, so how, how they're going to get these guys to play, uh, we will find out when the, when the opening day and, and the lineups come out for after that. Because you have Julio Rodriguez, who's obviously going to play as many games as he's healthy enough to play for. Teoscar Hernandez, who should play every day. Jared Kalanick's having a great spring. You have AJ Pollock for depth pieces. Taylor Trammell, a former top 100 prospect, who's obviously a guy who can play at the big league level and then just some other names that are on their 40 man right now like dylan moore you have sam haggerty jonathan classe cooper hummel so i'm sure some of those guys can play infield at this point so considering the fact that they only have four listed on their roster um but with that outfield i mean the idea of having a jared kelenic reaches potential with a teoscar hernandez and julio rodriguez that that's a team that can play yeah, and I, I I think that uh, well Dylan Moore is a guy who um, is a super youth guy, right? So he's gonna play all over, and he's a guy who in 250 plate appearances last year was a 122 OPS plus guy. So he's he brings a lot of value, and that's what I again. This is what we were just talking about. We've been talking about this whole time is like the fringes of your roster. Dylan Moore is like the ed, is one of the edge pieces for the Mariners roster, and gives me a 122 OPS plus, right? I think they made a great move in getting Teoscar and getting out of the Winker thing. The Winker thing didn't work out. Move on. Go get a guy like Teoscar Hernandez who's going to be in the middle of your order, and if healthy, he's there. You just slot him in for 154 games. Uh, you know, A.J. Pollock, that's a really good move because when healthy, A.J. Pollock's always been a really good player, and you're not probably going to ask him to play every day. If And then imagine if Jared Kalenic, you know, is Jared Kalenic that everyone thought when he was drafted. If he's the guy yep. that you 
thought like, okay, this is a top tier prospect, him and Julio one and two, like great. And obviously Julio's taken off and he's a superstar. Like imagine if you get like quality play from Jared Kalenic and you know, it's, it's been a strikeout thing when he's gotten chances at the big league level. And it looks like he's made some adjustments this spring with the swing mechanically. He looks calmer. Everything looks slowed down a little bit. Um, and that sometimes happens with experience. And sometimes when these highly rated prospects fail a little bit and they lose some of their shine, they get more comfortable, right? Like now, now maybe yeah. he's going to be a little more comfortable. He's going to slow the game down. He's going to be able to put the ball in play and he's going to be able to put it in play with damage. Um, that, like this roster is great. Look at their infield. A. Eugenio, you can pencil him in for probably 30 homers again. Uh, I love Frenchie. Ty France is a, is a really good first baseman. He's a good defensive first baseman. And then they went out and, and they're going to play Colton Wong and Dylan Moore up the middle next to J.P. Crawford. And like you're going to have a really good defensive middle infield, right? Yeah. Colton Wong and J.P. Crawford, you could argue that they're both gold glove candidates this year up the middle. If Colton Wong hits enough to stay in the lineup, he could win a gold glove playing second base. And J.P. Crawford's always in the in the gold glove conversation. Like, where are the holes on this roster? Cal Raleigh was unbelievable last year. Uh, he's probably going to be their, their everyday catcher now. Um, I, like, I think if you want really to – Yeah, this team's really good. But if you want to hear – like, I do think that there are holes in the lineup. And I think it's just, like, talent spread one through nine offensively. I think it's, like – one glove guy up the middle is fine. Two, eh? You gotta get sure. you gotta get a lot but of production out of, out of those Moore guys. Gets a like, lot of playing time at second yeah. this year, if and he even he's again. a little light with the stick. I, I, and maybe this is because they're in the Pacific Northwest, so I don't watch them on a day to day basis. But you know, I would like to see for a team that I'm throwing, you know, beating the Astros, which who I think is quite frankly, and, and we'll quickly get into them before we head out of here. But the best team in baseball. Oh, yeah. I would like to see more, na- quite frankly, name value. Yeah, well, Honestly, like, and that's might be just again, it might be my bias of just them being in the Pacific Northwest. But Jared Kalanick, you're gonna have to show me, dude, because not only has it been swing and miss issues, you haven't hit the ball hard, um, and we've seen this time and time again where prospects debut, they struggle, and people forget they exist. Um, and they, they have great springs all the time, and then they get into the big league season, and it's just like he hasn't hit above 200 in no. his time in the big leaguers, big leagues. So there's concerns there. Suarez, you had an f- unbelievable underrated year last year. Double it up. You've shown flashes of being bad, right? You've shown flashes of barely being able to start at times for a Reds team. You're not talking about a playoff team. You're talking about a Reds team. Yeah, Are you going to be on, able to on, do it since, again? Since 2017, Ayo oh, I know. is 26, 34, 49, COVID year 15, which COVID year 15 is still a good amount of homers. Yeah, it's still 31, a good amount of 31. So, like, I, know. I, I feel like Swords, you pencil 30 bombs in. Yes, but point. he he is a high variance guy. Sure, like, but in terms of, in terms of what, and... in terms of what you know what you're getting, you know. Okay, I'll even throw him in there. You have three guys where you know what you're getting. Right. A lot of other sure. – Ty French, you got to do it again. Cal Raleigh, you got to be good. You know, like we yeah. need to see a lot more. That's that's just my point on the whole. It's like I'm going to click over to the Astros and like just roll through this. It's like, you know, Jose Altuve, Jose Abreu, Alex Bregman, Jer- Jeremy Pena, Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley. 
That's their yeah, starting I mean, they're, nine. They're, they're the, I mean, that's the, there's no <laughs> they're doubt the, that they're the class of the they're the class of baseball right they're now. They're the class I, of my baseball. Only, my only point is, is I think the the Mariners are also going to win 90 games. You're obviously not yes. playing each other as much, right? You don't have 19 against the Astros anymore. True. And I think that even though they got swept, that confidence they build of we're right there. We could have won two of those three games. We we. Jordan hits the, the walk-off homer in game one. We go 18 innings. Anyone can win an 18-inning baseball game. You could have replaced the Astros with the Pirates in that game. Who knows when you get into 18 innings in baseball, right? Like, at, at that point, it's a flip of the coin when you play that long, in my opinion. I agree. So, like, you could have went – so, I think that gives them some confidence. Do I think that they're going to overtake the Astros? No, I think that – like you, I think the Astros are the best team in baseball. They're yeah. too complete. Like, they're the most complete roster. There's not yeah. a hole – and if they're if a hole pops up at some point, they're gonna plug it. Yeah, I would say their only hole is catcher um, on the Astros. But I I Which think they it's might just plug. like if 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 I was talking about the Mariners in the NL Central, no doubt. You'd be talking about they'd be running no doubt. away with the division. We just have to talk about the team in the context of. Winning their division because wild cards can go crazy, you know. Like we've seen ninety-eight win teams sneak into the wild card, while the NL or the opposite league has like eighty-four win teams that get into the wild card. Like right. you don't want to leave it up to the wild card chances of like you know a Blue Jays winning a hundred and five and the Yankees winning a hundred one, and then you're scraping in at ninety-nine. Like that's mm-hmm. possible, quite frankly, when you're sure. in the division with the with the Astros and and. So that's kind of my concern is like I would like to see some more offensive firepower because it is needed quite frankly yes. and and when you're in when you're comparing yourself to the reigning world champions you need it yes. um and you know in the terms of the big picture of the AL they have obviously a very good roster there's nothing wrong with their roster I just think if if we were to nitpick um and find holes I would like to see a little bit more Name value one through nine, you know, like a, a guy who can pick it and hit and up yep. the middle. But let's close this out with the Astros. I mean, what do we need to say? <laughs> I mean, no, no, we've really seen good. this team. Yeah, we've seen this team pretty much spread throughout the World Baseball Classic, just flexing their talent in a multitude of different ways. Obviously, the Jose Altuve injury is a little bit worrisome, but they plug and play time and time again. They've really, I think if there's any concerns on the whole, obviously, we love a D2 guy and Chaz McCormick. You want to see a little bit, you know, better name value from that. But I guess when Could there be a guy they drafted last year, do you think, in the big leagues this year, playing that position? You got to remind me on the name here. Uh, Gosh, Drew Gilbert? Could be. He could be. Do you think um, that's a possibility? I wanted to call him Logan. That's why I said gosh, by the way. Um, do, you um, think, do you think that there's a possibility there? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think he has, you know, the tools too. I think he should. I, I think my biggest concern is the fact of the matter that he he did not flash – consistency in college he's one of those guys that kind of came out had one great junior year made himself a lot of money and then got in a pro ball sometimes those guys continue that upward trajectory you know we always talk about it progress is not linear um but there's also times where those guys 
you know, it's an adjustment period for those high variance, high ceiling guys kind of probably is the best way to describe it. So, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility in terms of, you know, he has a legit hit tool that's going to play. I trust their development. You know, he plays good defense. I think the power showed in college with the metal bat. He's got to show a little bit more in professional baseball before I hinge my hat on that. But he went off last year in, in, in rookie ball and A ball. He struggled actually a lot in A ball when he yeah. got there, but he went off in rookie ball, which a guy who dominates the SEC should in, in limited playing time. So, I mean, he only played 32 games. So it's not like we can put too much stock into what he did but you know power speed a little bit shows uh some definitely potential there so maybe maybe i think that it, it, again if there's any i think Chaz mccormick's probably the better bet to be the center fielder to playoff time next year um than a drew gilbert but who knows maybe platoon opportunity you know like drew gilbert could be the guy for that because you know and they're I gonna think, milk I, everything out of that and i think that like you said the Altuve thing is concerning just because it's, you know, that's just Mr. Consistency. And, and I think if there's a team built to withstand, to find a way to withstand two months without one of their better players, it's them. But it definitely causes some concern, right? Like it, it's, like you said, center field catcher, now second base. Um, what's scary is we're talking about a team who has the silver slugger winner at catcher. And we're talking about it being a hole. How did Martin Maldonado win the silver slugger at catcher? Uh, I didn't read again, it like three times last year. We're, we're kicking that. into the hour mark, uh, yeah, and, just, and I'm not I'm not ready to have that conversation. This team's going to pitch, and they're going to have an unhittable bullpen. So yeah. even if there's some offensive question marks, like if Kyle They'll Tucker get through and Jordan, it. Like, right. It's like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez and Bregman shooting Jose, Albre- or Jose Abreu. Like, okay, yeah. there's those four guys just score four runs a game, and you're probably going to win more than you're not with this that pitching staff. I mean, you have – Two guys who have one who has won an MVP, one who has been a top three finalist multiple times for an MVP, one who has an MVP ceiling, and one who I mean, we were talking about at the midway point of last year that if Judge wasn't having a historic season, you could have argued that Jordan was having a better year just in their lineup without Jose Altuve, who also won an MVP, right? Like Jose Abreu's an an MVP. no, he came in second, I believe, right. um, with right, you won the COVID MVP, runs. right? So, yeah, I mean, so the fake MVP, the MVP light. Right. Um, but in and terms Kyle of Tucker that, could win an MVP. yeah, that and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, between yeah. Alvarez, Tucker, Bregman was great in the second and, oh, yeah, half. Mike, last like year. Michael Brantley continues to hit, even though he's getting to yeah, like, he's he's on AARP, he's on, but, but and he's got Medicaid insurance, but he can keep hitting. He keeps hitting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, definitely excited about that roster. I mean, the pitching staff, I guess the biggest question mark for me is can Lance McCullers stay healthy? But they've shown that even with the loss of Justin Verlander that they don't – because Lance McCullers was supposed to be the next guy when Garrett Cole left. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he was really good, and then he got hurt, and now he's hurt. He was having problems again. He's missing bullpens. It's been the Lance McCullers experience, and it's like, you know, every other organization. If you stuck that guy with, quite frankly, twenty nine other teams in the league, they'd be like, God, we really need this guy to break out. It's like, oh well, we'll just develop Christian Javier from Valdez. We'll develop Hunter Brown. We'll just get these guys to pitch well. We'll have an elite bullpen. And, you know, hey, Lance, if you ever want to figure it out, 
sure. You want to stay healthy? Sure. Why not? They, they but... have six guys that can start games for them that if you put on any other team in the league at some point in their rotation, you'd consider it an upgrade. Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah. Any other team in the league, you put that. I think the only guy that I wouldn't say that is, is Eric Kitty. Eric Kitty. Yeah. Okay. But still, if he's your sixth. Like I'm saying, if you take where they're going to yeah, pitch yeah, in the yeah, Astros yeah. rotation and plugged it into another in, team, oh, so if like if for Kitty's name a team, name team X Y Z, right? If you put if Jose Kitty was the Cubs' sixth starter, that's an upgrade. Like any yes. other team in the, if he's the Mets' sixth starter, that's an upgrade over Tyler McGill or yes. uh, David Peterson. Is that his name? Actually, I, I don't think Tyler McGill is the sixth starter because I think Tyler five. McGill is better than Kitty. Um, but if the, yes, if, so, yeah. So like saying, in terms of where he would actually fall in that rotation, I would take McGill over or Kitty. But that's enough. just me get my being point. devil's like, advocate there. Yeah, guys, and and like you know, sure, there's some ones that other teams would rather have. But like my point yes. being is like, you look at like I don't know if Hunter Brown's their five this year. Like a lot of people would be like salivating yeah. over the chance to have Hunter Brown be their five. Definitely, definitely, and and I don't think there's anything to to say on top of that. Their bullpen's going to be elite. They're going to make great decisions. It's you know it's the Houston Astros' way, and we just got to get used to it. Forrest Whitley was a former number one overall prospect, and and obviously he struggled yeah, with suspensions um, for Adderall to drive overnight, which. I don't blame the guy. You know, it's scary to drive overnight in the lateral. <laughs> Never hurt nobody. Um, and then, you know, injuries, which we've dealt with with pitching prospects. But it's not like we haven't seen a guy come out of nowhere in terms of that prog- progression rate before. So who knows? Maybe that guy's a starting games and flashing elite stuff you never know like quite frankly you just never know what the Houston Astros and if there's any organization that I trust to figure something out with a guy it's the Houston Astros so right um you know they're the best organization in the league right now um and quite frankly it's it's pretty easy to say I mean I had somebody reach out to me like if you had to bet on a team to win the World Series who would it be and I'm like it's hard to win back-to-back World Series, That's the only so I probably wouldn't put money. Yeah, but in terms of roster building, like exactly. we're going to get into the NL West. Like it's the first time I think the Dodgers have question marks. Correct. I, I don't think they're. I don't know if they're a World Series caliber team in, t- in terms of what the Braves have, in terms of what a fully healthy Phillies have, in terms of what the Mets have, in terms of what other teams in the NL have. Um, it, it's it's the first time the Dodgers have question marks. So I think we can definitely say that the Astros are are top dog. Agreed. Awesome. Well, it was a good episode. Uh, Hopefully you guys are enjoying the preview content. Um, So, you know, if you want us to finish the preview content before the season starts, make sure you're sharing and subscribing. Uh, It's the only way for us to grow the podcast. Uh, Hit up, whether you want to hit up John Boy and we get on the John Boy Sports Network or something like that, uh, get us a contract or just go um, buy SeatGeek tickets, get $20 off using our promo code Backside Ground Ball. But we'll be coming to you later in this week with a college baseball episode as well as continuing our preview content. So having a lot of fun with that. Dylan Cruz is the best player in the country. He's a mutant. Uh, his swing is beautiful. Uh, so if you aren't watching Dylan Cruz, make sure you're checking him out. But other than that, until next time, we'll see you guys on the next episode.